0: Right, well, welcome to The Unpopular Truth. My name is Tom, and on this podcast, I talk about spiritual things and try to give you a, a biblical perspective about that. Now, to let you know, I am not an elder, I am not a teacher, I am not a pastor, so take absolutely everything I say and compare it to scripture. You should be doing that with everyone who tells you anything spiritual. Um, this week, however, is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be talking about multiple things. Uh, Disney movies, Father's Day. Actually, I don't think I talk about Father's Day, so we'll just say Disney movies, Blasphemous Coworkers, Sundays Off, Family Matters, and the like. Um, Like I said, it's going to be a little bit different. Now, I don't know how many of you guys know this. If you know me, you certainly know. But I am old, and being old, I used to watch old TV shows uh, like Mork and Mindy. I used to watch that because, well, Robin Williams was funny at the time, and it was TV, so he could be relatively clean. And then being an 8- to 12-year-old boy, I thought Pam Dauber was quite attractive. It was the 80s. What can I say? Uh, in any case, at the end of every show, Mork would call home. If you remember, he was an alien. But in any case, he would call home and say what he learned that week. Because as usual for TVs in the 70s and 80s, it had a lesson. Unlike TV today. But in any case, uh, this is going to be my Mork and Mendy end of the week phone home, so to speak. Um lots happened this week. Um, If you weren't aware, I am a sleep tech, uh, meaning I work in a very major hospital here in my area, and being a sleep tech, I work nights. And while the job is infinitely more than just watching people sleep, as so many people seem to think it is, um, there is always a little bit of downtime, and usually during this time I'll read through my Bible, or maybe watch a sermon, or maybe honestly just waste a little bit of time, Uh, except when I am on the Sunday through Tuesday schedule which praise God I will not be on anymore but we will talk about that here in just a moment um on this schedule, when I'm working Sunday through Tuesday, there are two other people that I work with. Uh, well, one is a professing Christian. Uh, his father was a pastor of some sort in in India. We'll call him tech number one. And the other one, we'll call him tech number two, is a guy that has, cannot open his mouth without a complaint, without a blasphemous statement, without a curse word, or some other sort of filth spewing forth out of his mouth. Um, Tech number one is almost never quiet, always talking, always making some sort of noise. And guys, this is not an exaggeration, constantly making noise. So this week, for some reason, uh, but as in weeks past, this happened several times when I've worked there, um, our conversations turned somewhat spiritual. Uh, The dude who is never quiet, we'll call him tech number one again, um, like I said, is a professing Christian. And he looks at me and he says, what do you think of Joyce Meyer? And before I could get anything out, because it was kind of a shocking question, just out of the blue, he said, I think she's fake. And I said, Well, you know, I agree. There have been many exposes showing her lavish lifestyle is at the expense of those who follow her, not to mention the errors in her doctrine as well as uh, preaching. And then the other guy, tech number two, uh, pipes up and goes, You shouldn't ever send them money. They're all fake. Um, And then he he likens it to, well, he actually gives us advice. We can send it to an animal shelter or a homeless place. Uh, But I bring that up to you because he likens giving money to church and and to the Lord as a way to buy your salvation, which reminded me of a conversation I had a while ago in Missouri. Um, It's one of the few conversations I think is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. I used to, in Missouri... Carry a cross, and it was a large cross. It was maybe, I don't know, five feet uh, tall, you know, three feet wide, something like that. And on the crossbar of the cross, it would say, Are you ready? It was designed, and I carried it in hopes of starting spiritual conversations that I could then tell people about the Lord. Are you ready, meaning um, on a cross, meaning are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready in case something would happen? Are you ready if you die and you're to stand before the Lord tonight? Unfortunately, uh, I've gotten maybe two to three conversations in the entire time that I held that. Most of the time, it was just outright hatred towards me, um, outright uh, ridicule, uh, stuff like that. It wasn't a very uh, uh, spiritually uplifting time, Uh, and of the two or three conversations that I got into, most of that was um, just outright hatred. Uh, But this guy, this one guy came up, my wife, I used to make her go with me because um, if you don't know me, I am the biggest introvert in the nation. Um, uh, Talking to people puts me extremely outside my comfort zone, which would make it odd that I went to uh, all the training for evangelism. But in any case, um, I make her go with me and she would gladly go with me and give me that encouragement that I needed to be able to talk to people when it did happen. And this guy, she said, "Um, are you getting ready to go? You know, I think we need to go home, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, we'll be ready to go in a minute. And about that time, I locked eyes with a guy that was a good, I don't know, almost a mile away. I could see him walk. Actually, he was riding a motorcycle. Um, And I saw him look at me, and I looked at him, and I'm like, yeah, he's going to come. So sure enough, he, um, he pulls up his motorcycle, parks in a parking lot, stumbles across the street, come to find out he is an inebriated Jewish man, big guy. And I had on a shirt at the time. It was um, had a bunch of symbols. Had like the Star of David. It had a cross. Had um, you know whatever Muslims use that sort of thing. I um, had a bunch of star, a bunch of symbols of of religions on it. And he par- points at the Star of David and he's poking me in the chest while he's doing this, and then po- poking me in the chest where the cross is. And he's like, "Because of Jesus, my people were persecuted," and I, you know try to get my words in edgewise. The guy was very inebriated. You could tell. Um, and he goes on to say that, you know, Jesus had a really great gimmick. Give me 10% of your money and I'll take you to heaven, which that compiled with, um, many other conversations I've had with people. I think even my own father believed this. And then, um, the, the guy at work, uh, mentioned this as well. And I am shocked that this seems to be a popular consensus. Um, that that you need to give 10% of your money to go to heaven. That is completely 198% untrue. Uh, There's nothing in the Bible that would even lead you to believe that. It is just a a cursory man um, guest thing. There is nothing that would make you think, okay, if I don't give God 10%, I'm not going. Or if I do give God 10%, I am going. Um, The Bible does say don't muzzle the ox, and a worker is due his wages, but it never equates uh any of that to any kind of salvation. Um we covered it last week. Uh salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Uh, should you donate or should you give to your local church? Absolutely. It's called tithing, and it's very important. But uh, this isn't about tithing. It's about a gross misunderstanding of salvation, a misunderstanding that honestly is prevalent in Catholicism, in Islam, in Mormonism, and in every single man-made, man-centered religion out there. It's a work-based, uh, works-based thing. And uh, yes, and it's actually honestly prevalent Every man-based religion is work-based. Like we talked about last week, we talked about grace and how if you uh, try to work your way to heaven, it just gets further and further away. It says, uh, the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one may boast. And sadly, as I tried to explain this to both the drunk Jewish guy and the text at work, distractions took hold. Um... The, the drunk guy, I never got to talk to him again. He actually offered to buy me a beer, said he loved me. And then as he started to walk across the street, he almost literally got hit by a car. He stumbled right in front of a car. We had to pull him back and all that good stuff. And then, you know, then he hated me and he wanted to leave. Uh, but in any case, and in case of work, uh, well, honestly, work happened. Uh, patients got up. Bell started ringing. We had to go and do our thing. Um, I do intend on, however, trying to bring that conversation back up so I can let them have a proper understanding, or at least tell them what the proper understanding of uh, salvation should be. Please bring in prayer for that. Um, let me ask you this, though. How do you guys deal with stuff like this? And, yes, I'm trying to get more feedback on my podcast. I would like to get some emails from everyone who listens. How do you deal with... Um, Uh, Situations like this, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're at a family event, whether you're just out grocery shopping, if you do get into spiritual conversations and how do you deal with them? How do you correct errors that you find in those conversations? And next, we are going to deal with Disney movies um now i'm gonna be honest i like superhero shows superhero tv shows star wars uh cops and robbers all that good stuff um i've enjoyed all the marvel movies and i'm gonna be honest when falcon and the winter soldier came out i was happy i was quite happy wanted to see what they were going to do with that um was never a bucky fan well i don't want to get into all that that's more geeky than than we need to get but um As I watched it, I started to slowly, with each and every episode, get more and more dismayed until the point where now I simply, when it comes back on, I'm not going to watch it. And you might say, oh, well, what happened? Unfortunately, racism happened, and, and I don't mean it as, oh, someone was racist against the new black Captain America. Um, I think the show is incre- incredibly racist towards white people, and I think it's going to get more that way. And this is CRT rearing its ugly head in everything we watch, everything we uh, we do. Uh, it implies that all white people out in America are out to get blacks, and it's uh, it's their CRT propaganda machine. Was it good? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't watch it again, though, simply based on the um, the CRT that's prevalent in the show. And, you know, if you, as you read on about it it, it, it looks like it's going to be more and more prevalent. Okay, there was a show called Black Lightning. It was on CW, and I was eagerly awaiting the show. I couldn't wait to see it. It was about a black guy who had electricity power sent the show or hence the name black lightning and that show i think i stopped watching it after about the second episode uh it was instantly racist it was painting all whites as either dumb hicks that are uh that who hate white or hate people based on skin color or it makes all white people um the other sets of white people pandering spineless minions who have no ability to think or act for themselves without the a person of color's approval now um Additionally, uh, in typical CW fashion, if you watch anything on the CW, you'll know if this is true. Um, it was rampant with lesbianism and homosexuality in the show. Um, and honestly, I stopped watching it. Um, which brings me to the point of why I brought up Disney. There is a new show called Loki. And I'm, like I said, I've watched all the, all the, uh, Marvel movies and I was really looking forward to Loki. I thought Loki would be a really good show. Now, Loki is, based on the god of mischief in in Norse theology or Norse um beliefs, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh he'd be the god of mischief and he, you know he's a funny guy, he's played by Tom Hiddleston, Hiddleston, I'm not sure he said. It. But it's it's a, he's a funny guy, the guy who plays it and they made the character um likable, they made him um quite comical. And he's he's the kind of character that you don't know whether he's going to be good or bad. He's funny. He's likable. He's basically a bad guy with a good heart um, that you see. Um, And you never know what he's going to do. He's tried to save Thor uh, on multiple occasions, yet he's tried to kill him on multiple other occasions. So you never know what he's going to do. But I want to bring all that up because I don't think it's any coincidence that disney released thor i'm sorry loki in june known as pride month uh because if i was reading a couple articles one is called in the decider a post that states loki is marvel's first queer lead so um and why do i say all this up um because or why do i bring all this up and it's because I think Disney, as well as Marvel, as well as DC, and all the other media outlets want to get all of this out in front of us so that they sway our minds, so that they make what is bad good and what is good bad. Um, now, the show is incredibly well written. I wrote. I actually watched the first two episodes, um, and it's got Owen Wilson in it. It's very funny. They banter back and forth. They argue. And because it's a funny show, because it's a well-written show, um, I think it's going to cause many, many people to overlook the gay references or the, in the case of Winter Soldier, the CRT and the intersectionality references. But when will we as Christians stand up? When will we say, you know, God calls all this an abomination and we shouldn't be watching shows that affirm it, much less promote it. And no doubt someone's going to say, well, what am I supposed to watch then? I have a a plethora of voices. Uh, In any case, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I haven't watched TV in probably going on 10 years now. Now, admittedly, we got rid of it back when the price just kept going up and up and up, and we couldn't afford it. But now that we can afford it, I'm... We don't really need it. We have Netflix. We have other things that we watch. I'm going to be honest. I very seldom actually sit down and watch a movie or TV or anything like that. Perhaps, though, if we turned off the TV and picked up our Bibles, we'd be more sensitive to sin. We wouldn't be as likely to get sucked into such shows. Perhaps if we would do that, we would have a deeper and more intimate relationship with God, and when we lead us one direction or another, maybe we'd be able to hear him instead of saying, you know, God, oh, what's your will for my, oh, 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 I got to go, I got to go, uh, my new show's on, I'll talk to you later, God. Now, I'm going to admit, I'm not perfect, Um And there's nothing wrong with TV. It's just people in America seem to be obsessed with TV, much like people in St. Louis were obsessed with the Cardinals. It was like a a god to them. But in any case, I digress. Um, Where I work in the sleep lab, people come in and instantly, before I can tell them anything about the test, before I can tell them anything about the paperwork or next steps in the process, where's your TV? And so often, so many times, I simply want to point in the corner and say, there's your God. Feel free to worship. But in any case, I I digress again. Um, I think Disney, um, CW, Marvel, DC Comics, I think every major media outlet, even ABC, NBC, all of them, they all have an agenda. And that agenda, like I just said, is to normalize sin, but even more so, it's going to be to make those who think of that sin as wrong as the bad guy um for example the the christian pastor stands up in his pulpit on monday i'm sorry on sunday morning and says homosexuality is wrong murder is wrong fornication is wrong yet when the kids go home they see it on tv and nobody's saying it's wrong they're saying it's right and they've got However many hours of TV they watch each week of all that going into their ears. This is right. This is good. This is right. This is normal. Then they go on Sunday and they hear this crotchety old man saying, oh, that's wrong. So you think they're going to believe you think they're going to believe their heroes who are all relevant and, and hip and cool or the guy in the pulpit who says it's wrong and who's preaching the biblical truth and it's it's because they have so many more hours of TV at home this is where your parents would come in and um you know say Maybe turn off the TV, pick up the Bible. Um, it is the Father's responsibility. I just looked. I don't don't to script it out. But I just listened to the pastor where I've been going, uh, his sermon. And I was very encouraged that at the outset of his message, you know, it was Happy Father's Day and blah, blah, blah. But he goes on to say that fathers are the spiritual leaders of their home. And fathers are responsible for and they will have to answer for their uh, family's spiritual well-being. So I was very encouraged to hear that. I am also um uh, going to say that each father out there needs to sit down with his family and say this is either good or this is either bad or at the very least let them know what the biblical truth is and if that person is over the, you know, is not necessarily a child anymore, then it's going to be between them and God. But certainly pray about it certainly see uh what god would say to you as you're watching uh the things that you may or may not watch um but yeah it is my deep concern that they are making all the bad guy all the bad things good and making the people that think the bad things are bad into the bad guys so and i think we're going to see that play out very shortly in the persecution of christianity in america um, now, some of my family get mad because of my views on this, on Disney especially. Um, however, I do think we need to stand. Um, but, you know, they might say, are you unsaved because you like and watch this stuff? No, that's not anywhere near my ability to say. I can't possibly say that. It's just simply not my place. But I would, as I said before, certainly pray on it and see uh, where God leads you. Um what do you have uh thoughts what do you think about uh the thoughts on Disney or popular media these days and they're embracing and and normalizing and glorifying of sin and again you can email me i'm going to have that link in the job or I'm sorry in the job description i'm going to have that link in the um show notes down below and just the show description so feel free to shoot me an email and let me know what you think and i already mentioned this a little bit but i have uh good news for me anyway um ever since we moved to pennsylvania i've not had a whole lot of sundays off i used to work who actually quite a few sundays and recently i emailed my boss Well, not recently as a few months ago Emailed by Boston, said, you know what, I, I, I really need to get into church. I really need to go to church. I need to be in church regularly. So please, can I have Sundays off? Is that something you could consider? And he said he would consider it. I've been praying since then, asking many people to pray uh, for me in that and god has uh blessed me and that he gave me favor in my boss's eyes and i do now have sundays off so i can regularly attend church and i am very excited about that now the church that my wife and daughter and i have been attending is very near our home uh, and while i like that i'm going to be honest i am not the type of guy that is going to just instantly join a church um, i made that mistake many times in the past Um, Without even really looking at anything, I would um, uh, just join the church. And that is things I, I came to regret as time went on. So I don't I don't join easily at this point. I may eventually join, but I want to tell you a few things that I am looking for. For me, it does take considerable time because the man you sin under, one, is going to be your spiritual leader. You're going to be sinning under his authority, and you're going to be sinning under and subjecting yourself to his wisdom and his discipline. And my wife and my daughter are uh, ultimately my responsibility. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt the man that I put my family family under is going to be the right one. Um, and this isn't to say I don't trust the pastor at the church that we're going to. Uh, he's a great guy, very sound biblical beliefs. Uh, him and the church seem more than genuine. and I'm, um, But I'm just looking for several things in a church, and I haven't attended this church long enough or any of the extracurricular functions in order to be able to say that I can answer all these questions. Um, and more that I that I don't go over here uh, to my own uh, satisfaction. I am looking for a pastor who can rightly divide Scripture. Um, I care about preaching, true, but also I want truth. I don't want opinion. Um, a student is only going to be as great as his teacher, and if the teacher doesn't know anything or knows the wrong things, this is going to show in his flocks. or in his flock, uh, hermeneutics, uh, exegesis, homiletics—they're all extremely important uh hermeneutics because even we as lay people um should be reading our bibles or studying our bibles uh in order to determine authorial intent not to determine opinion determine opinion um But what God wanted to say to whom he wanted to say it to and in what context, Uh, taking a verse out of context or or uh, placing your opinion uh, behind a verse or using that uh, verse to prop up your opinion or uh, whatever it may be is simply not acceptable. It's not permissible. That's not something that any pastor or any Christian who reads their Bible should be doing. Um, I want a pastor who will make no apologies for preaching the hard truth of Scripture, the hard stuff, the hard sayings, and will preach them biblically, humbly, and with conviction. Um, I want a pastor, I don't want a pastor that shies away from truth, regardless of how popular or unpopular that truth may be. Uh, That kind of guy is no pastor for me. I want a pastor who, who takes advice or tolerates and actually invites criticisms or questions on his sermons or his views, and then when he replies can back up any um, or address any concerns with Scripture. Um, I want a pastor who, who has his ear to the ground, who's looking out for what's coming down the pipe, a pastor who's going to warn his flock about upcoming dangers, uh, who to watch out for, what to be aware of, that sort of thing. And yes, they need to name names. The church should also want this, by the way, to stay stagnant in your own protected little bubble um, prepares believers for very little, little outside of what they face outside the doors of the church. And I also want a church that's welcoming. I'm going to be honest, I don't don't care a lot about programs. They're nice. It's nice to be able to have all this extra stuff that you can go to, but I'm going to be honest here again. Like I just said, I'm the biggest introvert in the nation, so meeting people outside of church is way out of my comfort zone. Um, But I like Bible studies, and once I work up the nerve to attend, I usually keep going. Um, I also want a church where I can be involved. Um, it seems like many of the places I've gone, and I don't say this to brag it's just what's happened to me. um It seems I've always been in some sort of leadership training or um one church I was like the right hand man to a past to the pastor um preach there a few times, preach at another church a couple times um but regardless whether I'm sweeping the floor or doing whatever it is, I just want to be used um and I need a church this is a this is a non negotiable for me. Uh, I need a church where God's word is held to the highest standard, where God's holiness is held even higher. Because if you step off of scripture, you start on the slippery slope. And I don't want to be in a church that doesn't stand everything on scripture, uh, scripture alone. Um, Likewise, if a church doesn't have a statement of beliefs, I won't even consider it. I emailed a church recently. um, Well, not recently. It's been a couple months um, because I couldn't find a statement of beliefs on their site. And they replied with, oh, well, you know, we don't really have one. Why don't you just come worship with us? And I never replied because a church that doesn't say what they stand for is always going to be swayed by every wind of doctrine, true or false, that comes blowing by. So what do you look for in a church? Um, and again, this isn't a comprehensive list by any means. This is just some quick thoughts that I jotted down. Um, but what do you look for in a church? I mean, if if you're in a church you've been in for a while, what did you look for when you chose that church? Or if you're still looking, what are some things that you're looking for? Uh, but in any case, um, let's get on to the next thing. That is going to be discernment. Um, it seems like I often get asked... What do I think of this person or that person? Or, hey, is this guy a, a false teacher? Much like at work recently um, when the guy brought up Joyce Myers to me. Why would do that? I have no clue. also had another message from a, a friend back in Missouri saying, hey, what do you think of this guy? Uh, or better yet, get this. I've heard this recently, unfortunately, from a family member. Uh, we're considering going to a new church. A couple pastors they have are women, though. And I may have made some people mad when I said, well, that's an instant No. Because women shouldn't be pastors. It's clearly in the Bible to go against that is to go against the Word of God. And I just said about um, holding God's Word to the high standard. If you're not going to do that, then you're just going to step all over it and you're going to do what you want. Um, But in any case, it seems like there's been a severely lacking uh discernment in the church today and perhaps it's a lack of bible reading or maybe it's even a lack of true salvation i don't know i've honestly gotten to the point where um and like i said i've I've mentioned this on previous podcasts i have been looking for a church for quite some time i have gone to so many pennsylvania church websites that i should get some sort of award for as many websites as i looked at and researched um but I've gotten to the point where when I see a stage instead of a pulpit where the worship service looks like a Motley Crue concert, um, I almost instantly know that it probably is not going to be good. Then the pastor comes out, and he's wearing skinny jeans, and he's hip, and he's cool, and he's trendy. Um, and it seems like they, they don't want to do this because they don't want to wear suits because suits are, are for your grandma's church. And, and you know, they're going to be too hip and too relevant for that. Um, and I should back up. I should say that um, that's not saying that a church that has this is always going to be bad or a church without them is always going to be good because that's simply not the case. It's just that many churches use music as a way to draw supposed seekers. The problem is... Um, well, one problem is there is no seekers. No one seeks after God. No one, not one. Uh, but then, they, you know, they make everything relevant and appealing to the masses. And in doing so, they lose God in the process. They lose the word of God in the process for sure. For example, I listened to uh, when when my family member said, hey, we're considering this church. I actually looked up the church and I listened to the pastor. Now, the pastor in one of his sermons actually quoted J.D. Greer, which is beyond concerning for me. Um, I apologize for all the car noise. I am recording this at 11, oh, I'm sorry, it's 12, on a Friday afternoon, and it is apparently quite loud outside. I've been searching for the right time to start recording these, and I have not found it yet. But anyhow, back to this. The pastor quoted J.D. Greer. Um, now, if you don't know, he, well, he just stepped down, or I don't know if he did or not, but he was recently voted out as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, and I'm going to say that he's likely one of the leading reasons the SBC is in the shape that it's in. Needless to say, I'm not a fan of J.D. Greer. So anyone who quotes him in a positive light likely looks up to him and will also adopt the strategies that he has in church leadership. The church website and their beliefs is extremely vague, extremely ambiguous, and uh, for some reason, uh, they consider church structure and church government in our beliefs. For example, in our beliefs, they have that we're going to keep the church—sorry—that um, we're going to keep the church grounds looking clean and appealing. How is that part of your beliefs? But I digress. Um, the sermon that I listened to was actually a, a very small snippet. Um, apparently, this church says they're big into missions and they had a couple people who were either missionaries or ran missionary type uh, ministries come up and talk after the pastor preached very briefly on Luke 8 it was where Jesus heals the demoniac and sorry it just boggles my mind Okay, the sermon was mad. He really said nothing at all. The sermon, like I just said, was on the demoniac in Luke. And the pastor somehow uses this and twists it to be about relationships. He says that Jesus asked the demoniac's name because that's where a relationship starts. Now, if you look at the verse, who answered Jesus? the demon did do you think jesus was trying to get a relationship with the demon absolutely not in any case i'm of the opinion that they were not searching out authorial intent for sure then if you're not searching out authorial intent then you're lying about what the author wrote the bible isn't used to prop up your opinions or or to convey a message that was not intended um to my chagrin and my and my great befuddlement why can't people see this? It's like they're all, all the prophecy pimps out there selling their lies to the highest bidders, the, the word faith con men. Um, well, I guess it's all prophesied and by Paul and Timothy. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions. Which leads me to another thought. Before I was saved, before I knew anything about the Bible, I thought, you know, the Bible is so subjective. I can make it say whenever I want. And if you're like most megachurch pastors, you truly can. This guy made that sermon about relationships. Many small church pastors do it as well. It's not just a megachurch thing. Um, many people who read their Bible daily do it as well. And I'm going to admit, I have to be honest, I would likely be wrong if I assumed I was 100% incorrect in my interpretation of everything I read. And that I thought I understood everything that I read. But see, that's why I study. That's why I look up and look into hermeneutics. I, I follow the teachers who preach the Bible and not opinion, because the Bible interprets the Bible. Sola Scriptura. The Bible is our final authority, and what the author meant is the only reading of Scripture that matters. For example, is Jesus healing the demoniac about relationships? Jesus sought him out. Jesus inquired his name. Jesus healed him when no one else would even talk to him. I would say no. I would say no. It's, it's about Jesus healing the man of many demons. Uh, perhaps even about the recognition of the, the devils to call him the son of God and the power and authority he had over him. Perhaps the number of swine indicated the large number of demons he had and that the Gentiles dominated the area because to Jews, pigs were unclean. Regardless of the reason, God chose this to include this in the Bible. I think we're probably very safe in assuming the story is not about relationships. Gosh, <laughs> it just drives me insane. So for this week, um, what do I see? I see the world hates Christ. Uh, I see many who sincerely think they know Him, yet are sincerely wrong. I see a world that delights in sin and a christian professing or a professing christian public that tolerates it. I see masses of people flocking to churches that neither prepare or edify them. Yet they walk away each week ears tickled while their bibles gather dust and the very real threat of hell looms over them each and every day. Yet some of them smile because they think they've done God a favor or scored yet another point on the ladder that they can take to heaven. But the good thing is, no matter how I look at things, no matter how bad things look, Christ is still on the throne. The sins of the saved are all atoned for. He continues to sanctify, bless, protect, rebuke, chastise, and teach. He has a remnant here. And through him, we will prevail. He is and always will be victorious. (laughs) And he is not far off. Are you ready? Does your lamp have oil? Are your wicks trimmed? Because he's coming. All right. That is all I have, folks. Let me know what you think. Um, What do you see happening around you? What's the scripture? What scripture does it bring to mind when you see all of this stuff going on? All right, guys, have a fantastic week. Read and study your Bibles.